Hey, Palace family, I'm going to ask you all to stand back up for just a moment, if you would. We're going to make a declaration this morning while they put that on our overhead for us. Let's put the devil on notice this morning and let the Lord know we mean business. Amen? Amen? Let's make a declaration unto the Lord. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. And as your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. And we will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. And we declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Now give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen and amen. You may be seated. We're going to jump right into the word. Pastor has asked me to read his text. It's rather lengthy, so uh, we're going to just jump right into this. If you have your Bibles, open them up to John, the book of John chapter 4. And we're going to be reading several verses from verse 1 through verse 29. John 4 verses 1 through verse 29. And this is what it says. It says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, set thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God... And who it was that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which, give, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Thus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and thou saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. And our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither, you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman saith unto him, I know the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, when he is come, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus saith unto her, I, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with this woman. Yet no man, what seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Brother Marvin, would you bless this morning's word? Almighty God, we 
Amen. Before I get started preaching this morning, I want you to look at two or three, four people and say, you cannot get mad at the pastor today. Would you do that? Say, because he loves you. And now say, I support my pastor. Would you tell three or four people that? And say, now, you can't be mad at me either, okay? I'm going to be saying some very hard things today, and I do not want you to take them wrong. We're living in the last days, and we're living in the day of manifestation. We've been preaching that. And we're going to be talking a little bit. This text that I took today is going to be a reference text for the next six or seven weeks, and we're going to be having other texts coming along with it. And this one will always, will pull little uh, scriptures out of it. There's so much in it that we don't even see a lot of times, and we don't... We just kind of read through it. We don't really pay attention to what all takes place. But today is going to be some very hard things, and I want you to understand it. I want you to hear it. I want you to listen to every word of it. I'm going to slow down a little bit. I like to preach fast. I like to preach exciting. I'm going to stick to my notes this morning a little bit because I do not want to miss anything that the Lord placed within my spirit. So pray for me that I'll be able to deliver to you what the Lord has revealed to me. As you all know, the thing for this year at the Palace of Praise is just one word, presence. And throughout this year, we are encouraging everyone to develop a deep sense of the presence of God in their lives by cultivating and nurturing and developing their relationship with Christ through their spiritual disciplines. And we know what spiritual disciplines are. Their prayer, the study of the word, devotions, fasting, church attendance, serving, communion, things of that nature. And as believers, we know without a shadow of a doubt that without him, we are nothing. We can do nothing. Matter of fact, Jesus himself said in John 15, verse 5 and 6, concerning a level of presence of him in your life, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. Fruit bearing is contingent upon whether or not we have a level of his presence in our lives. You cannot bear fruit outside of him. Can I have an amen? And matter of fact, he went on and said, every branch of me that does not bring forth fruit, it's removed. And then he gives you a solemn warning, a very, very solemn warning. He says, and if a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and he's withered and men gather them in the bundles and they burn them. That literally that if we do not abide in him, we, look, we have no fruit. And our lives have objective reality or being only by and through his presence in our lives. And matter of fact, that's why Luke penned these words in the book of Luke or Acts chapter 17 verse 28 when he said, for in him we live, we move and we have our being. It was Zechariah that said, it's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts, that we get things done. This morning, I'm going to share or start a series of the six spirits that's out to hinder or stop the presence of God in your life. Now, they're not the only spirits because we know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. We understand that there are all kinds of demonic spirits, but I want to talk to you about six dominant, six prominent spirits of the last days that's out to stop you from receiving a level of the presence of God in your life. A few weeks ago, God visited with me in a dream, and I don't have very many dreams. I have a lot of dreams, but most of them are because of Pizza Hut. And the truth of the matter is there are dreams out there that you have that have no spiritual significance to it whatsoever. It's because of what you ate. But this dream was of the Lord and it troubled me and he kept me awake throughout the night and he poured into my spirit. I had God visit with me in a way that he's never visited with me in 32 years of my life. And I can honestly say that this dream was so detailed and informative that it made me tremble and it made me shake. The dream that God gave me goes along with the passage of scripture that I just read to you that Josh read to you out of our text. And you may not see the resemblance at first, but as we get continually preaching at the end of the sermon, you're going to see that I'm going to land this thing and it's going to tie to the text somewhat. I dreamed that there was a prominent preacher and, uh, and he is an international, well-renowned speaker. And most of you would know him by name if I called him by name. And he was traveling on a journey. And I knew that this journey was his spiritual journey. And I seen that he had stopped by to get refreshed and to get refueled. And can I tell you, 
as I began to think about that, I thought about Jesus coming to the well at the sixth hour and he was weary. He stopped to get a refreshing. He stopped to drink of water. Can I have an amen? And here is this preacher. He's traveled. He pulled off at a convenience store to get refreshed and to get refueled. But as he started to go into the store, he looked up on a hill far, far in the distance and he seen a different kind of a store. The store was a water bottle store. Highly elevated, way up in the distance, up on a hill. And, the, and there were racks and racks and racks of water. And it's like when, when I seen the store, I immediately, my spirit went into the store. And I seen that there were no labels on the bottles. There were no markings, just bottles filled with water. The whole store was completely jam-packed. And as he looked up to the store, this preacher in the four distance, he said to himself, why did I stop here? And he pointed and he said, I should have stopped up there. He then begins to get out of, of, the, uh, of the area and he begins to walk toward his predetermined destiny. He walks toward this water bottle store. And I can remember me thinking as I begin to see this unfold in the dream, why would anyone want, want to have just a water bottle store? It did not sell gas or food or any kind of modern conveniences. It was just water. And I can remember thinking, how does that place even stay in business? And it wasn't attractive at all. And it seemed that it didn't have anything of value or any kind of an interest to you whatsoever. It was just a store sitting up there, no advertisement, a bland building, did not shine, did not have advertisement. All of a sudden, I thought, what in the world would appeal anybody to go there? Ever who put that up there is foolish. That's what I thought in my dream. And the store did not appeal to the common interest of mankind at all. It just sat up there by itself. There was no one parked in front of the store. There was no foot traffic. There was no customers. There was no sign of movement at all around the store. It was just simply a bottle water store sitting up on a hill by itself. And it seemed that it didn't have any business, but this minister knew that he was to go there. He somehow had a deep sense of urgency that that was the place that he was to go to. And as he set out to go, he starts down the driveway where there was a curb and a sidewalk on top of it. And on top of that sidewalk was seven women. And they were standing shoulder to shoulder. And they were linked together and they blocked him from getting on the sidewalk that led up that hill up there to where that water bottle store was at. As he looks up, he stumbles and he's overwhelmed at the captivating presence of these women. He staggers and matter of fact, he stands it all. Caught totally off guard, he shudders and he thinks to himself, I can read his mind, what have I got myself into here? He starts walking down the road beside the curb toward the water bottle store and as he did, he had to pass by the seven women that was to his right. As he viewed these seven women, he seen that they were very beautiful and well-kept women. None of them was dressed provocative, but they all looked well-distinguished. At least two of them, we do not know exactly. I do not know exactly how they were dressed because the Lord just showed me them real fast and they went away. And then I seen them again real fast later on. So, But at least most of them were not dressed provocative. They had the appearance of being very successful and they showed authority in their appearance. But they all had a commanding presence to where you could not keep your eyes off of them. And even though they were not dressed provocative, yet there was such a strong allurement upon each of these ladies and they captivated your attention. There was such an overwhelming presence about these women that drawed, the, drawed and compelled this man to have a deep-seated desire to want to be with them, to be in their presence and to desire to partake of them. And even though this preacher was very attracted to these women, yet he fights and he opposes his feelings of desire that was tempting him to want to partake and to be with them. He's even shocked and caught off guard that he would even have any kind of feelings like this because he's never felt anything like it before in 50 to 60 years of ministry. He's an older man. And though these women were not dressed provocative, yet they were very, very certain 
seductive. Everything about them was attractive and enticing. Though the seduction wasn't necessarily sexual in nature, yet it was a spiritual seduction that was so enticing. And let me stop right here. This is where we got to get a better bunch of clarity. Are you going to think that this message is only for men and it's only about sexual uh, temptations and lust? Can I tell you, it's not got anything to do with sexual temptations right now. It will later on in some of the sermons, but it's about spiritual seduction. They were wanting him to become one with them in purpose, in philosophy, in belief, in mentality, and in spirit. This had nothing to do between a man and a woman. It had to do with the spirit and the body of Christ. And let me tell you, this means that women, you are a part of this message. This ain't just about a man being tempted of a woman. It's the body of Christ being tempted and seduced by a spirit. Are you with me? God help me right here. This wasn't a man thing. It was a body thing, the body of Christ. But the seduction was so great, so strong, so overwhelming that this preacher shudders with amazement. And literally, as he starts walking, it stops him in his track. And he's just like, oh my goodness. And as he gazes at, this, at these women, he just cannot believe how strong the pull is on his life to desire them. And even though he was very successful, very powerful, very anointed, very holy, an influential man in the kingdom of God, yet he felt intimidated, belittled, and powerless in the presence of these women, and he has never been intimidated about anything. They did not look like harlots, but let me tell you this. They had the image of being a lady. And as he looks at the women, I've seen appearing over some of the heads of the ladies words, words like image, Popularity, fame, power, authority, attention, acceptance, pleasure, social life, esteemed, sexual, comfortable, prosperity, importance, value, and the list goes on and on and on of the different kinds of words that was popping up over some of the heads of these ladies. As this man's focus got on this first lady, the first thing that was so captivating about her was not her figure or her body, though she was a very beautiful lady. But what was so charming about her was her smile. Her smile was so charming, warm, and inviting. And even though it was not appealing to him sexually, yet it was appealing to his affections. He had such a gentle feeling of fondness towards this heart woman, he had a liking for her. Her smile was so captivating, it was as if she was pulling him into her by making him feel warm and accepted. And even though he had great desire to be with her, he resists. He fights, he opposes it, and he makes his way down the road toward his destiny. As he takes a step forward, all of a sudden, this preacher is removed from the dream, he's no longer there, and I become him in that dream. I then find myself staring in the eyes of this second lady, and all of a sudden, I look down the line of the ladies, seeing each of their faces and feeling so overwhelmed, and thinking, oh my, I dread this battle. And as I, I, I even ask myself, how long is this thing going to last? And how in the world did I, Kent Miller, find myself in this position and in this place? I noticed that the second lady and the third lady had strong, familiar resemblances of each other. And though they were not twins, yet they looked a lot alike, having the same features and the same mannerisms. Their gestures were the same. The way they spoke and behaved were the same. Their expressions had great resemblances and their hair color was the same. And then these women, though these women were not provocative in their dress, yet they were very productive in their, provocative in their charm and in their demeanor. Though I did not hear them say a word to me, just their facial expressions and their body language was seductive within nature. As I looked upon the fourth lady, she had a motherly figure. She was not provocative at all in dress, well-groomed, organized, and well-behaved. She seemed so innocent, which was, which was a part of the seduction. Did you hear that? Seemed so innocent, but yet she was a part of the seduction. Her innocence was what made you so attracted to her. You felt safe and protected to be with her. Her demeanor was not provocative, but her motherly presence was so enticing that you could not hardly resist her. It was unbelievable how that you wanted to be with this motherly figure. 
There was an overwhelming desire to be close to her, to love her, to want to be with her. Then as I walked past the fourth, down to the fifth and the sixth lady, the faces of these women disappeared to where I couldn't pay attention to them anymore. But the spiritual seduction increased. Their seduction wasn't about image, but it was about presence. Did you hear that? I cannot discern what they look like, but I want to tell you what was so captivating and appealing to me was their presence. I wanted to be in their presence. And it was then that I began to understand what the Lord was saying. It's not always about image like we think, but sometimes it's about presence. It was then that I understood that even though we are living in the manifestation season, how many believe we're living in the manifestation season? Yet it is not just the season of the manifestation of the Spirit of God that we're living in, but you and I are living in such an hour that we are going to live in the manifestation of the demonic spirits as well. Are you listening to me? With the increase of the manifestation of God upon the earth in these last days. We know that's coming. How do we know? It's prophecy. Joel 2.28, the last day saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men see vision, or your old men see, your young men dream, your young men see vision to your old men dream dreams. We understand that, that in the last days, God's pouring his spirit out upon all flesh. But there's also an increase at that particular time of the manifestation of the demonic domain to try to stop and hinder and counteract the presence of God. Can I have an amen? How do I know that? Paul said in the last days, there'll be uh, seducing spirits. There'll be doctrines of devils because iniquity to abound, the love of many shall wax cold. There's gonna be a great falling away. Come on, we go on and on. So we see both of these are happening at the very same time. A manifestation is a public display of something to make known or to appear or to reveal what, that, what is hidden and what is unseen. Though God's presence is unseen, yet God's about to manifest himself in ways that you can only, only honestly say that is the miraculous, wonderful presence of God. Are you ready for that kind of a presence if you are giving praise? Yes, we're living in manifestation season. As God begins to manifest his presence on the earth, however, even so, there's going to be a rise of demonic manifestations. Troy Brewer, in his latest prophetic video, talks about the year 2019. He dissected and what it means. I don't have time to go into that. But it means the year of identifying snakes. This speaks of the competitive voices that try to void out the word of God in your life. This is the year that snakes will be unveiled, they'll be seen, and they will be identified. It's a year of exposure. For us to be able to identify them, then they have to be manifested or they have to be made known. Can I have an amen? There is coming right now in our age, right now, a dividing line that is happening in the spirit world. You and I are living in some interesting times. The holy is coming out from the profane. Light is separating itself from darkness. The true church is rising up out of the apostate church. The tares and the wheat are being separated. And let me tell you, truth and false is being identified and there's no longer gonna be any gray areas in the body of Christ. God is separating it. We are not only seeing this in the spiritual realm, but we are seeing it in the natural realm. We are seeing the divine order of God taking a hold, uh, on, uh, taking a hold in this day, in this age, here in the year 2019. He is exposing snakes. Oh, God, help me preach. Woo! What is happening in the natural realm is an indicator of what's taking place in the spiritual realm. It's nothing more than a mirror or reflection of what we cannot, what cannot be seen in the spirit world. And God said, see what's happening in the natural? If you had eyes to see in the spiritual, the same thing's happening in the spiritual realm. In the natural, we're already beginning to see the true colors of liberal voices in America. Here's where you don't get mad at me. New York governor just passed a law of abortion all the way up into the time of birth, violating federal law and becoming an obstructionist putting into law the right to shed innocent blood while also trying to stop capital punishment for hardened criminals. Does that make sense? Anybody with me on that? Virginia governor tried to get a law passed of abortion even after the birth of the child. Thank God, as of right now, it is not passed. The law would have provided the parents the right to choose after birth if they wanted to keep the child or not. 
If they chose not to want the child, the child would then have been aborted or killed. We call it murder. Can you imagine a child being born and a parent saying, no, he's born with red hair. I don't like red hair. That's inconvenient for us. Get rid of him. That was about to go into law in the United States of America. Are you listening? It's demonic. We are seeing a whole political party going crazy. The Democrats just here recently, I mentioned the political party that's doing this. The Democrats are trying to remove and strike the words, so help me God from the oath taken in front of the House committee. Congress has got more to fight about than sitting around trying to strike, so help me God. Our world's a mess and they're trying to take God out of the equation. Now, I'm not here pushing a certain political party, Republican, Democrat, or nothing, but I am here to tell you what I'm opposed of and what's being exposed. There is a true manifestation. There is a manifestation revealing the true identity, the true agenda, and the true colors of our politicians. Pay attention. Can I have an amen? People are going to have to make a decision of how far they are willing to stay loyal to the political platform that is anti-God and violates the word of God. We are seeing the dividing line being made. The wicked are getting more wicked. They're being exposed. It's being manifested. But the church is going to be rising up and becoming the church. Amen? Look what Paul said in Romans 8 and 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. The earth itself is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God to appear. God's whole creation is enslaved and is in grievous bondage due to the pronounced curse on the creation because of the sin of Adam. Due to the ever-increasing sin of mankind since Adam, the earth has been cursed with devastation, with disease, with destruction, degradation. People are enslaved, they're addicted, they're controlled by sinful substances. They're sick, they're bruised, they're oppressed, they're depressed, they're captive, they're enslaved, they're cursed, they're wounded, they're blind. I could go on and on. How many sees we got a problem in our land? Paul said that the creation was made subject to vanity, according to Romans 8 and 20, because of sin. And due to sin, Paul goes on and says in that same chapter in Romans 8 verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together even unto now. The very earth, the very creation feels the effects of the sins of humanity. But the very creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God to appear. Oh, hallelujah. Notice that it did not say that they were waiting for the manifestation of the son of God. It says they, they were saying, we are waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. That's you and I. Why? Because Romans 8.21, listen to it. Because the creature itself or the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. This tells us the way that the church goes is the way that the earth is going to go. Amen. That's why 2 Chronicles 7, 14, we quote it all the time. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will forgive their sins. What did he say? I will heal their land. The Bible says in Psalms 9, 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. There's a curse upon nations that forget God. And that's why Proverbs 14, 34 says, righteousness exalts. Did you hear that? Righteousness exalts a nation, but a sin is a reproach to any people. Paul said that when the sons of God are manifested, when they appear, that, they're very, that the very creation itself shall be delivered from the bondage and corruption. The same liberty that the children of God have through their redemption and anointing, the same liberty that the creation can experience through a converted society and region. And matter of fact, you remember the Wales revival? Go study it. Don't have time to get into all the details. But in Wales, Wales turned very uh, sinful at one time, very dark place. Prostitution went out the roof. Uh, alcoholism was, was prominent and they lost jobs and there was th th thievery and murder was ranked way up number one there at the, in that land at one time. And um, the cal caribou had left the region and there was flowers that used to grow and different herbs and different roots that they would make medicines and perfume out. And that was a part of their economy. They wouldn't even grow the flowers anymore. The herbs wouldn't spring up. The roots couldn't be found. 
The fish was a great big part of their economy and their, their livelihood. The fish, they could not catch fish anymore. The whales had left the area. These people were in de desperation. And one man went to praying. And to make a long story short, God visited whales with a revival. Guess what happened? The caribou began to come back. The flowers began to grow. The earth began to spring up. Prostitution went down. Crime went down. Murder went down. Whales come back in. Fish come back in. They had an economy. Because of the righteousness of God being revealed through a revival. Our hope for Papa Bluff is not more legislation and law. It's a righteous move of the Holy Spirit. In these last days, there's going to be the rise of the church and going to, there's going to be a divine awakening. Look at somebody and say, there's going to be a great divine awakening. The manifestations of the Son of God is going to happen. Amen? What does that mean? The earth is in travail, it's in pain, it's waiting, it's birthing the manifestation of the sons of God, it's praying. The earth remember, is, remembered what it was like when Jesus was here and he ruled with kingdom authority. And we, the believers, are to be his body, ruling with kingdom authority, having kingdom dominion here on the earth. You know, the first time that Jesus came, he came to look like us. But the next time that he comes, we gotta look like him. Amen, that's why 1 John 3 and 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. If we see him, it's because we look like him. Can I have him? He's coming after a church without spot or blemish or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and a sanctified church. Can I have an amen? It's the first time Jesus said, I'm gonna come look like you so that when I come back, you can look like me. We are to be imposing the kingdom of God on earth. That's why at the end of our declaration that we say, we declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? The, redeem, the redemption of believers should have an effect upon the world events, upon physical climates, and the church should have an effect upon society and the regions around them. Amen? We should be the custodians of the kingdom. And remember, the custodians is the ones that hold the keys to unlock doors and lock doors. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 16, 19? I give you the keys of the kingdom. We have authority, amen? Look at somebody say, you have authority. We have authority to represent Jesus Christ, to teach as he taught, to live as he lived, and to be instruments in helping people live the way of the kingdom of God. However, there's competitive voices. We have to learn how to live in kingdom principles. We have to learn how to come out from the world and not be a part of the spirit of this age. We have to be set apart and decreased that he might increase in our lives. We have to be transformed in mind, becoming a kingdom player instead of an earthly dweller. We have to have kingdom mentality. We have to live by spiritual principles. We have to manifest the will of God in heaven on earth as a believer. We have to be spiritual. We have to see and identify the snakes the competitive voices of our age. And we have to discern them. Everything about these ladies in my dream was seductive. Their charm, their looks, their smell, the atmosphere of seduction was so strong that you can't believe it. They appealed to all of the five senses of man. The aroma of their perfume, to the beauty of their looks, to the impressions that they gave, to the demeanor that they portrayed, to the image that they cast, to the stance that they reflected, to the posture that they posed, to the position they held, to the body language that they exhibited, to the facial expressions that they made. I could go on and on. Everything about them was, oh, I want to be with these ladies. There was just an appealing desire to join their presence. Then finally, I faced this last lady. And let me tell you, I've not been intimidated and I'm not a fearful man, but I became fearful in the dream. She was so strong, enticing, that just her presence was like being put under a spell. Her presence was so intoxicating that it was like you were under the influence of a drug. Just a, as a drunk loses control of his faculties or his behavior due to his intoxication, even so, it seemed as if you were going to lose control over your body just being around her presence. 
She was the least beautiful, least charming, least attractive, but yet most seductive, the most seductive, and it didn't make sense. It was as if you was going to become a slave to her. As I walked by her, my body actually went into convulsions. There was such a violent, irregular, uncontrollable movement that took over my body. There was a shakening of the knees. There was the weakening of the legs like I was staggering and going to fall. There was the trembling throughout the whole body. My arms went limp. And it was as if I had no control whatsoever and that I was losing every bit of authority and power that I had. And there was an irresistible urge just to be with her. And even though it was against my very conscience and against my very wishes, it was an action that tried to force me to do something that I knew that was forbidden. It tried to drive me to a course of action that was even totally unnatural for me. And even though it was not a sexual seduction, yet it was an intimate thing that wanted me to become one with her in mind, body, purpose, soul, mentality, and being. This woman was the least attractive, but the most dangerous. As my body was in convulsions, I thought to myself, if I could just brush up against her, the battle would be over. I knew that if I ever touched her or partook of her in any kind of way, that it was to the point of no return. That if she ever captivated you, you're gone. She was almost irresistible, powerful, and one felt helpless within her presence. An intimidation, fear, a sense of bewilderness overtook me in her presence. I have never felt anything like that before in my life. She was not allowed to touch me. So it was all up to me if whether or not that she would succeed in getting me to buy into her presence. Then I heard her giggle, and I had never heard anything like that before in my life. Her giggle seemed to carry with it a poisonous dart that paralyzed you. Immediately when she giggled, the convulsion stopped, and it captivated, and it paralyzed my body where I just stood there. The giggle was a giggle of confidence, and it spoke with authority. And when she giggled, it was as if I heard the words, ha ha, ha ha, ha ha, I got you. There's no escape from me. The giggle continued, and the more it did, the more confident her seduction seemed to appear, and the less hope seemed to be there for me. Then all of a sudden, my physical ears stopped hearing. And then I started hearing with spiritual ears. And when I did, I heard screaming and yelling. She was throwing a fit. She was mad and she was angry, though she wasn't displaying it in the natural. She was having a full-blown temper tantrum. In a rage, she said, why, why, why can I not have him? How can he resist me? I get anything and everything I want. I get what I want when I want. He cannot say no to me. Who does he think he is? She's throwing things, she's breaking things, and all of the other women were afraid of her, and they bowed down in mourning as to support her. Then with my physical ears again, I heard that confident giggling. Again, the giggle paralyzed me in my flesh. It carried such confidence. You felt as if there was no hope of escape from this lady. Then again, with spiritual ears, I heard, why, why, why? He cannot say no to me. He cannot resist me. Who does he think he is? And again, she's throwing a fit. She's full of anger. She's yelling. She's cursing. She's swearing. She's mad. She's out of control, breaking things, full of rage. This time, I heard the spirit in the spirit realm. When I heard her do all this raging, all of a sudden, I was lifted up with renewed courage and strength. I come to understand that her giggle was a front. I come to understand what she portrayed was false. I come to understand her seduction was nothing but an illusion. I come to understand that she was already overcome and conquered and she's already lost, but she tried to convince me differently. I come to understand she had no authority, nor did she have any power over me. It was then I rose up and I said to myself, I must ignore these women. Then I heard a voice say to me, you cannot avoid them or ignore them. That will not make them go away. You must address them. And all of a sudden I knew at that moment that I could not become like them in behavior. It was almost 
like I was going to attack them in a mean way. And God said, you cannot allow yourself to become under the same spirit that they're under. And he made me have temperance, self-control. After I got my renewed strength, I was ready to punch the woman in the mouth. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about? I was ready to go cut somebody's head off. And the Lord said, hey, you cannot partake of that spirit. You have to be different than the spirit of this age. I knew that I could not be of the same spirit that they were of, so I rose up like a gentleman. And I had to be a gentleman. And I said to them, ladies, I am very tempted to sit here and flirt with you, but I have a destiny to go drink my water. I denounce you, and I don't want any part of you. And what you have is not for me, but I am predestined to get a drink of water. I then turned and with confidence walked away. And their voices were silenced and their seduction vanished. I made my way to the water bottle store. I walked in. No one was there. I looked back in the far right-hand corner of the back of the room. There was a counter. I walked up to it and immediately upon my arrival, uh, arrival at the counter, I seen a hand with a robe, a bright, radiant hand, reach out with a bottle of water and gave it to me. And it was the Lord. And he said unto me, drink and you'll never thirst again. I give you living water. And then as I took the drink, I turned to walk away with an exuberant joy and authority and power. And all of a sudden, I turned back to that prominent preacher and I watched him walk out of that store. Then the Lord said to me, the reason I have showed you, and he called his name, I'll call his name Frank. He said, the reason I have showed you, Frank, who was much older than I, who was much popular than I, who was of a different race, of a different class, of a different culture, and of a different age. God said to me, it doesn't matter how rich you are, how old you are, what race you are of, what gender, male or female, what position you hold, what culture you're from, what financial statuses you have, every believer Everyone in the body of Christ in these last days are, are facing these ladies that represent spirits that's being unleashed from hell. These spirits is invading and manifesting themselves in these last days to compete with the manifestations of the sons of God. They are competitive voices that's out to silence the word of God. They are the seductive presence that's out to replace the presence of God. They are the imitation and, imitation and illusions that is out to simulate and copy the manifestations of God like the magicians did in Egypt. You remember when Moses threw down his rod and became a snake? They're doing their little enchantments as well to entice you. They give false images, false impressions, false beliefs, false narratives. And though they seem natural, not dressed provocative in attire, looking like ladies, though they look like ladies, yet they were spiritual harlots desiring your spirit to become one with them. Though they appeared innocent and harmless, yet destruction and death followed them. And when the Samaritan woman came to drink, Jesus came to get refueled. Sit down, we all need that. She comes, you know the story, and Jesus says, give me to drink. Why are you asking me, a Samaritan woman, to give you to drink? And then before it's all over, they get down, not going through the whole story. He says, if you drink of this well, you're going to thirst again. Jacob's well was there. She said, I don't understand. Abraham is good enough for Abraham, is good enough for him and his children and cattle. Are you saying that you're better than Abraham? The word Jacob means trickster, manipulator, surplanter, deceiver, conniver. And Jesus said, this well is nothing but an empty illusion. It's full of false hopes and deceptive promises. Just like Jacob's well, anyone that partakes of these seven ladies or these seven women or these seven spirits, they're going to be deceived. The only way to overcome the power of the seduction of these ladies is for the drink of the living water, the wellspring of life, Jesus Christ, and allow his presence to invade your life. Are you listening to me? If your relationship with Christ is lacking, if your relationship is strained, if you lack certain required necessities or qualities in your relationship with him, you'll not survive it. Without the spirit of God, the presence of God in your life, you will not be able to choose the water bottle store in light of these women. Because I want to tell you something, that water bottle store had no appeal on it whatsoever. It was plain, 
There was nothing to the natural eye that would make you desire to go there. There was no value to it, you would think. I sat there and looked up there and I thought that senseless. That I didn't even understand at the beginning of the race. I thought, who in the world would even put something up there that's crazy? No one's going to go there. And the convenience store that was around here was seven beautiful ladies. Attractive, enticing, seductive. Anybody in the flesh would have chose those ladies over a water bottle store any given day. And then I read Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3 and 4. How about Jesus? He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. He had no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and he was rejected of men. And I'm here to tell you in the next six weeks, I'm going to be revealing who these women are. God showed them to me. And I'm going to take you on a journey. And some of you think, oh, I didn't know what they are. And you're trying to pull women out of the word of God. They're all coming out of the word of God, all right. But there's some that you would never even expect to be there. And they're seductive, though they look natural. We're living in a day that if you don't get some spiritual discernment about your life, you're going to lose out. This plain church, living afar off, just coming in and having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, just becoming a church setter and a church attender but not having a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to be swallowed up. Because that man of God that I got great confidence in, that renowned preacher, I sit there and watched him shudder and I thought, why in the world could intimidate a seasoned man of God like that until I became him and God let me live it? And I sit there sweating and trembling and fearful and I'm not afraid of anything. But I want to tell you something. Even me who's been in the ministry for 32 solid years, when I come up against that last lady, she was so powerful and so mighty. I want to tell you that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will be deceived. That's why Jesus said in, Luke, in Matthew chapter 24 that if it wasn't for the elect's sake, he said if I didn't shorten the times, even they would be deceived. We're living in a manifestation of one of the greatest hours of the kingdom of God ever before on the history of the earth. God's given us the availability to get into his presence. He's given you the opportunity. He's given you a short door, a short window to come under the umbrella of his presence. That's his invitation. That's what he's doing. He loves us. But if you don't get under the umbrella of his presence... You're going to be swallowed up by seven seductive women that will destroy you and bring death to your life. Would you stand with me, please? It's a heavy word. Isn't it odd? That God loves us so much that he's going to give us the spirit of the Holy Spirit to combat the forces that's being unleashed. Then we're not the only spirits. But they're, the, they're actually going to be six of them and I'm going to show you why. Even though there were seven women, that's even seduction, seductive in nature. I'm here to tell you, I have never seen the seriousness of it until I lived it myself in a dream. And I sit there and I thought, my goodness, everything that pulled at me, I have never felt any urges or pulls like that before in my life. As a minister, as a preacher, as a Christian, having a relationship with God, I have never felt like that I could not overcome the obstacles that come to my I was, I've been tempted, I've been tried, I've been tested, but nothing to the degree like this. And I kept my solid footing. I don't know how. I, and she could not touch me and she would come this close to me and want me to touch her but I would not, I dare not. I knew that if I touched her it was to the point of no return. I knew that if I touched her I would be handcuffed. I knew that if I flirted with her like Samson flirted with Delilah, I'm in trouble. I knew that if I didn't run like Joseph run out of the arms of Potiphar, I'd be in trouble. And somehow we think we can just live a four off with no relationship with God, with no spiritual disciplines whatsoever, come in and have a casual relationship with God and make it. We won't. It's a warning to my own life. I'll tell you how much it feared me. That night I was repenting. I was, God poured on me. God, everything I've ever done. I didn't know why I was there. I didn't know why I had to face that. And God then began to reveal to me, you faced this to warn my people of the upcoming seduction that's coming upon the land. 
But he said also tell them that the sons of God will be manifested. The true church will rise up with the power and authority and kingdom authority and overcome those seven women. Amen. But you got to be a part of the chosen. You can't be flirting around with this junk. Are you listening to me? Get right. If you got sin in your life, you better get it under the blood of Jesus and you better get it right or there is a point of no return. That same spirit that was on some of them women, them women, there are men and women that are now portraying that same spirit right here in this service. They carry it with them. They become one with that spirit. And when they become one with that spirit, they become tempters and seducers just like the, the women in the picture. You take on their nature. You take on their belief system. You take on their philosophy. And then you'll justify it. You'll not see it as wrong. And a lot of the stuff that I'm going to be dealing with the next few weeks are very natural and honorable. But you got to be very careful. They can become idolatrous. Oh, when we think of a seduction, it's always in the sexual realm, and it's always, the, always those perverted men. I want to tell you, there's a rise of feminist in the land today that's trying to destroy the man and put everything upon the man. But this ain't just about a man. It's about a woman and a man being seduced by seducing spirits, the body of Christ. I invite you this morning. Folks, it's not time to play. It's heavy, isn't it? I like to preach encouraging. It is encouraging. Why? Because God's breathing out on this last day generation with an authority and power and a manifestation is going to be seen like never before. We're not going out as a whimper, beat up old lady. We're going up as the bride of Christ decked in all of her jewels and all of her glory. Hallelujah. Can I have an amen? We're not limping out into the kingdom of God. Oh no. We're going out with a shout with the voice of archangel and the trump of God. We're not going with our dress all, attire all tour. We're going out to the victorious church of the living God. This morning, I'm inviting those of you that would want to pray and examine your life. Next week, we'll get into our first lady, God, with God's help. And as we get through them ladies, the more deeper we get, the more serious it gets. The first one, you don't even pay attention to in Scripture. You don't even pay much attention to her. But I want to tell you something. She's destructive. She'll bring death to your life. With every eye closed and every head bowed.